good afternoon, good morning, whatever time of day it happens to be for you folks. This is Jeff Morton with Returning to Eden. It's been a while since you've heard from us, but uh, that's because we're busy. Uh, Gina's busy running around the country, and I'm busy trying to figure out how to survive in the country. <laughs> anyway, we have not uh, done a show for, for several months, so we're glad to be back to do this. We've got a very important topic. Today happens to be Election Day here in the state of Washington, so we're going to talk about that. But uh, let me welcome Dina Dye. Dr. Dina Dye, welcome. How are you doing, kiddo? Well, hi, Jeff. Yeah, it's really been a long time. And, yeah, I've been on the road a lot, traveling all over, speaking. Um, haven't been, haven't hit the ground at, at home too much. But I'm back uh, for a couple of months, which is great. So I'm hoping to, I've got a lot of projects in the wings. I've actually completed some projects. Um, I just want to let folks know uh, Ryan White and I just finished a series called Revelation Unmasked. It's an 11-part series. It will, we have created a website. It's not quite up and running yet, but by Hanukkah this year, 2019, um, should be up and running. With uh, you can per You'll be able to purchase the series as a pay-per-view. It'll be DVD as well. But we, we basically went through the book of Revelation, and we tried to just upend a lot of the traditional thought that we have about it and we tried to put the book back into its historical and political context. This is very important. We didn't go, it's not a verse by verse exegetical, ex exegetical explanation of things. It's simply taking topics and areas where people have sort of, I think, gone off the rails and try to bring them back. And so uh, it was I think it's a really good series, and I'm really excited about it, and I think it'll be an opportunity. I, we have arrived in a day and time where we, we simply have to think differently than we've been, and what you've talked about quite a bit is we've got to get out of this sort of religious mindset and look at the world and how it operates as a kingdom and the forces of two kingdoms coming together. Uh, in battle, and 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 how do we, you know, how do we defeat that other kingdom? And Yeshua gave us the roadmap because it, we don't do it the way of power like the other kingdoms of this world. We do it, you know, by humbling ourselves and by taking care of the innocents and things of that nature. So, uh, all of that to say, I'm, I'm hoping that when we start looking at things differently, um, that people will be inspired now to just to look at the scriptures in a different way and that their lives will change through it. Well, and I, you know, just to echo the very reason this podcast, this Podbean podcast exists, is returning, returning to Eden is, that's kind of our clarion call. We want to return to the understanding culturally, uh, uh, mythologically, however that world viewed what they wrote about, we're trying to impose that on our community, on our world. And I was, Gina, like I was telling you before the show started, it was impressed upon me to read the book of Ecclesiastes and realize there's nothing new under the sun. So for me, it's just, it's our turn right. on the scale of time to experience these two kingdoms. Yeah. And uh, one of the things that I've been focusing on uh, for the last several months is uh, a, a friend of mine who I, I don't, I just met him really, we're going to do a show this Sunday, his name is James Brayshaw, he wrote this book, several books, about uh, who the devil, who is the devil, he's got four volumes, 
And as I go back through and read, I've been reading his books now for a couple of months. And he does a lot of what we do. He goes back and revisits the culture and he explains why we have this particular understanding of Satan and that particular understanding of Satan. And then he blows them up. <laughs> like with a bomb, a grenade. And he revisits the cultural understanding yeah. of what the writer's communicating, which is what this program's all about. Right. And we keep trying to force uh, our view, our modern view, and our how we are as a people onto the text. We keep doing that, and then we come up with the wrong conclusions. So the goal of this show has always been, you know, let's return to the culture and context and history uh, and language of the day, and let's see what they're wrestling with. And then we can say, okay, now how on earth are we going to make a difference today? Because you're always battling power. I don't care, you know, what. Uh, if we go through the Bible, uh, patriarch, matriarch, prophet, whatever, the backdrop is it's always important to look at who are the who is the major enemy and the major power player and the major elite of the day, you know, uh, you know Abraham coming out of Ur of the Chaldees dealing with that. Um, we know that through the, through their time dealing with Egypt and dealing with Babylon as we go forward, dealing with Assyria, um, Persia, whatever with Esther. I mean, just pick your person, and the backdrop is going to be political. And the question is, how did they engage power? How did they defeat power? And that's what, who doesn't want to know how to do that now? But we can't do it in the way that power does it. We have to do it in the way that Yeshua, our Messiah King, does it. He shows us the roadmap. And, and like you said, his way was to be humbled. His way was to stand for the obligation of the covenant system that he created. It was to represent the kingdom both politically, religiously, if you will. We've turned religion into something other than what they would have understood, you know, 3,000 years ago, 2,500 years ago, whatever. But the idea was to represent him and the way of the king, not the way of the rulers of this world. And that's what the entirety of the Bible is teaching us. It's teaching us how to be a citizen of the kingdom, both from a political perspective, from a civil perspective, from a faith-based perspective, and just right and wrong. And we have to understand that that's not necessarily a religious conversation. That is a obligation. And what I've been keying in on is for the people that are saved, well, what does that mean? To me, it means that you're now activated to represent the kingdom of God in the earth. And that's what I've been focusing on for the last couple of months. And also, understanding that in the political arena today, it's the same battle. The mm -hmm. church is not fighting itself. It's fighting the political structure that wants to make it vanish. Right. And, well, and that is of the nature. Go ahead, Dina. Well, the nature of uh, tyrants, of kingdoms who seek power is always to oppress destroy, marginalize, you know, take away your freedom. That That's just been the nature of that kingdom since the very beginning, going back to the garden. So, and of course, you know, we call our show Returning Eden. A Adam didn't respond in the way, you know, to basically kick the enemy out of the sacred space. 
um, and he ended up violating and, and causing the sacred space to be profaned. So he was forced to exit. Uh, you know, one of the most important events, really, in Israel's history that we see through the Bible is the Exodus. And the second most important event would be, I consider, uh, the Babylonian exile. So, in you know, you were sharing what what you've been reading and and in your reading of the Ecclesiastic. I have actually been going back and rereading the the Gospels and the Epistles with uh, the filter of the Exodus, and I, it has just blown me away. I mean, I, and I, it's not like I didn't think about it, but I just haven't gone back and actually read the scriptures with the Exodus in my mind. And I, I, it's just, I would really encourage our listeners to do that because it's going to blow you away how much, that's what Yeshua is just re, revisiting the pattern of the Exodus as he's pushing back against Rome. It's all the same thing. It's, uh, it's amazing. <laughs> I missed it. Well, I, I want you to elaborate on that, but I am reading James Brayshaw's book. He talks about, uh, which, which again goes to the point of the Exodus story, and he talks about why did they name the pigs Legion when when they went over the cliff? They point out where well, there was no water for miles, Jeff. So we have to look at the story from a different interpretation. And he goes, it's really about the Exodus. It's about the armies of Rome being drowned in the same way that the armies of Pharaoh were. So it's kind of a an, an analogy of something that has already happened. And to your point. The entirety of the Gospels is the Exodus story. Yeah. All over again. You really have to elaborate on that so that this audience can understand. Well, it just, and it, it just reminded me, I mean, thinking of this man who was filled with these demons, legion, and yes, the legion, that was a term for Roman uh, cohort. And uh, the power of God to free an individual so that the individual is free to fight back. You know, he didn't, this isn't the story, that particular story isn't about him liberating an entire community. It was about the liberation of one person. That's profound. And to me, that speaks volumes for us today that, you know, we say, well, one person can make a difference. But the fact of the matter is, one person can push back a legion of Roman soldiers. What does that say in our political uh, environment today of how we could push back? And we have tools we've been given today to be able to do that, things like voting or running for office or whatever. And so these are important tools for us. Uh, just sort of back to we were talking about uh, before the show as well, you know, we, that, that, that the devil, Satan, um, challenged Yeshua three times, right? The first one with the bread. And yep. then um, going up, interesting that where he, he took him up to the pinnacle on the temple and showed him the kingdoms of this world. And I just forgot the third one. But the idea was that he was taken out into the wilderness in the same way that Israel was taken out into the wilderness yep. and built their structure to push back against the, the power of Pharaoh. And Pharaoh was taken out and his legions taken out in the midst of the sea. This is this is mytholo mythological type language, but it's also speaking of the power, the, what God had done in the making a covenant with Israel out in the wilderness and raising them up to be a kingdom of priests, of which are represented here Yeshua the Messiah as king. How he, how they were able to push back against the forces of the day 
and the place that it was was in the wilderness where the tabernacle was, where the place of the presence of God was. That's key in how we push back. And that's just one little example. Uh, if you think of Acts chapter 1 and 2, when we see Yeshua going up in the mountain in the clouds, uh, uh, the Mount of Olives, but that is very much a repeat of Moses going up from the Mount Sinai in the clouds and receiving, you know, the tablets of stone in, in, in order to be able to govern. It's not that he's, you know, going up into space. It's that he is going into the place like Moses, the Holy of Holies, if you will, on the top of the mountain to receive from God. And, and that's where he sat on the throne. That was the final part of the coronation that he is indeed king he is the king i can't emphasize that enough so again if you go through the book of acts you are going to see story after story that looks a lot like the exodus well in addition to i mean i had to chuckle when you said going up in the space because they wouldn't have had that concept. The writer of Acts right. would not have had that concept. He was going up into the canopy. He was going up into the place, into the high places, where in that world the gods existed. Mm -hmm. So um, in my mind, he just kind of went out of time, but he's still in Jerusalem. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, he's just not, he's just not, he's behind the veil. He's taking his feet on the throne. It's the final yeah. portion of the enthronement ceremony in Acts chapter 1 and 2. Yeah, I mean, we, we tend to have this, and this is, again, going back to the heart of imposing our understanding, because our understanding, it's really, you can't blame us because we have a science backdrop. They right. don't. Right. So in our world, Jesus coming back on a white horse with the legions of heaven behind him is like, uh, uh, almost like aliens. <laughs> <laughs> coming into the earth's atmosphere and all of a sudden we've got the king of kings and the lord of lords destroying everything and uh, that's just not the right concept that we need to have we need to recognize that he restores order and destroys everything that moves against his authority and, but he restores order by simply coming through the veil <laughs> and seating and making his kingdom known one and, person at a time yes and yeah. we're part of the kingdom. It isn't yeah. gone anywhere. We're yeah. here. And yeah. the problem is, which is to the heart of our program today, we've taken a back seat instead of a commanding lead. Right. We believe that the church is to be separated from government. No, the church is supposed to be leading government. We believe that we're not supposed to be, go out and vote. That's the greatest gift that God gave to us, that we could represent our own freedom by bringing his covenant structure into our world yet what we've done is we've allowed just about everything unholy to dictate terms and that's where I'm kind of like okay folks if I can get serious for a moment sitting and learning Torah and, and, and understanding the gospel and studying and studying and studying well if you're not affecting your culture and your community then what good is the research if it doesn't cause you to go out and do what everybody we read about in the Bible did? And that was they stood up and fought back the tyranny and the lunacy and the power struggle that told them they couldn't be who they were supposed to be. They went and fought back. And who were they supposed to be? Representatives of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And we've bought the lie that we're not supposed to participate 
and the political structure. It's our political structure, the kingdom of God, that's going to destroy the kingdoms that are trying to destroy Amen. our God. Amen. That's where we've missed the mark, Dina. Go ahead. Well, just, and you know, the, the Bible is often, I mean, we have lots of stories, and you think of Joshua doing a military campaign, and of course in that culture and time, that was the number one thing that you did. Uh, every king wanted more territory, and you know, had his, um, had his military people, you know, go out and take land and take power. And but the Bible, if we, if we could look at that, those stories, if we could ev evaluate those stories and look at the strategy in those stories, then we could make an application for today because lots of, I mean, they would just go out with the ark, right? And then, you know, look at the story of Jericho. They, and that makes no sense whatsoever in the natural. And yet there's principles in there on how you take back, uh, how you take take power, take the kingdom. I, I don't like to use the word power. So the idea here is that we are at war with the kingdoms of this world. The sooner we get that, the better off we're going to be. So if we are at war, then we need to be on offense. We need to be an advancing army. There, what's happened now is most Christians are off the field in the hospital, in therapy or whatever. You know what I'm saying? And so that leaves just a small bunch of people that have got to fight the war. We need everybody up and ready to go and to advance and fight, and then we are, we are given the tools to fight the battle. And just read the Sermon on the Mount, because there, there lies your tools. There are your military tools to be able to, to fight this battle. 180 degrees opposite of how the world functions. Well, I was reading, Dean, I'm going to read this passage in Mark. And when I, when, I, when I read it, I went, okay, there, there's so much going on here because the Sanhedrin at the time was pretty much under the hegemony of Rome. Right. They really didn't have any authority. They couldn't put anybody to death. And so uh, in Mark 14, uh, 53, it, it talks about when Jesus was brought before the, for the uh, high priest, the Sanhedrin, if you will. And it says, and the chief priests and the whole Sanhedrin were looking for evidence against Jesus so they could put him to death. But they didn't find any. Many, many testified falsely against him, but their statements did not agree. And I was thinking about that, and I went, Donald Trump. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're revisiting it all over again. And, that's, and it went to the heart of what I was saying earlier. Yeah. We're part of the story. And there's nothing new under the sun. I was reading Ecclesiastes 1.9, and it talks about there's nothing new under the sun. It just keeps repeating. And then it just hit me two months ago. It's repeating, but not in the pages of the Bible, in the pages of my life. And so we are part of the same story. It's just our turn. Yeah, exactly. the tyranny. And I, that, that's why I, got, I jumped into the political arena. Because I recognize, and as you do as well, that, again, the patriarchs and the matriarchs and everybody we read about were fighting political elitism yep. that was trying to take away their freedom. And I recognize that we can call it the Democrats and the Republicans in the United States of America, but back in those days, it was the Sadducees and the Pharisees. <laughs> it was the same kind of political failures 
of representing the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords that we have going on today. And so I just took it upon myself to recognize I've got all this information about the Torah, all this information about the Gospel, all this information about the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, and I'm, I'm sitting in front of my television screaming mm-hmm. instead of sitting in front of my city council having a conversation about why I think this is wrong. And that's why I jumped into the political arena because my job is to represent the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords at whatever cost I have to face as a result of my obligation to that throne. Amen. And I got it. It hit me like a bomb. And I went, my God, the church has been so discarded and disjointed and rejected that they don't realize that the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords hasn't had people fighting for him. And that seems to be changing. What do you think? Yeah, I do. Uh, I just wanted to make one statement here. If we go back into the first century, now most people there had, obviously we had a lot of slaves and we had uh, people who didn't own land. and I mean, not everybody, but certainly there was a, a large portion of the people who literally had no power whatsoever. Right. And I always make the statement when I'm teaching is what is so remarkable about Yeshua is that where normally the throne of the king uh, would be either in the temple or his palace, in the inner sanctum of the temple would be, you know, the throne, and there he would sit and rule and reign, or he, he had a separate palace. But yet here's this king who ain't sitting in his palace. He is walking among the people. And the responsibility of the king was to feed the people and to take care of them and to bring blessing and prosperity and healing and all these things. So now we have this king who's walking in the midst of his people, doing, performing all of the activities a king was supposed to perform, that he did perform from his ivory tower in the temple, but he's the living temple out in the midst of the people, bringing light. And so we kind of jump forward. Uh, you think of what we have been given, the, the liberties and freedoms we have been yes. given, and we have squandered. Those people would have given everything to have the kind of freedom we have today, and we've just squandered it and just said it, you know, I ain't getting political. It doesn't matter. And so now our call here is to is to return to our understanding that we have been given um, not only a privilege and an opportunity, but the responsibility as the church, for lack of a better word, to make sure the state is held to account. <laughs> And to make sure that the state does not oppress the innocent and the, the downtrodden and the widows and the orphans. And, all. and we, you know, we've just gone, oh, whatever. <laughs> so our call today is this must stop. And you find your place to serve in the Army. It was, um, you know, I, I saw it firsthand just a couple of days ago where uh, my wife was doing a, a, a craft show. And myself and another gentleman were on the same page, biblically and conservatives and whatnot. And we were having a conversation, and we were told, uh, you, you guys need to be quiet before we get in trouble. And I went, see, this is the problem. Yeah. This is the problem. We, we believe that we have to be quiet so right. that we don't get in trouble. And yet our Messiah was nailed to a tree. The disciples were 
slaughtered. I'm not, and, and I'm not, when I talk about Donald Trump, folks, for the religious people listening, and I, and I mean that seriously, I'm not comparing Donald Trump to our Lord. I'm talking about the principles. The principles by which they atta are attacking Donald Trump is the same principles way that they attacked the Messiah. And the, the, the only people that stood up for him were the twelve. And even they, even they had Paul. They had their issues. Yeah. Peter was yeah. scared to death. But we can't be afraid to represent yeah. our salvation because our salvation, and I'll say this again, is actually our activation. And, Dina, you know, you and I both know that the battle is in the political arena. I mean, we have people that are dressing up, disfiguring the honor of women. Our children are being slaughtered the day before they're born. And all of those things have came about through a political restructuring mm -hmm. of the legality of the kingdom. Yeah. And in my mind, we're, we're allowing everything that is unnatural and unholy to now dictate terms. And the reason that's happening is because the people who were activated through salvation are not addressing the laws, the statutes, and the commandments of the kingdom of God. You're not even representing them. And I will say this and say this and say this, I beseech you. You have to stop waiting around for Jesus to do it all. You have to be the voice. And there are many out there. Don't misunderstand me. Yeah. Jesus yeah. took the wheel, yeah. but he said, here, I give you the car. Yeah. So you right. have to be the voice yeah. supporting the constitution of the kingdom of God. And I, I don't like to use the word church or Hebrew roots or Torah-based or Torah. We are the citizenry of the yeah. kingdom, the eternal kingdom. So as a citizen, God gives us a book. And he says, here's the language, the culture, and the history of my kingdom. I need you to learn this information so that you can best represent me wherever you are on this planet. And that's, even that's being attacked. Right. And whatever time period you're in. So you asked earlier, I do, I am starting to see some put. I mean, there's definitely pushback starting to happen. It does seem like it's now filtering into, you know, you, you wonder where the line is. Like, how more insane can we get? And this is purely anecdotal. So don't, you know, don't take it as a movement. But for me, I have warned my children since they could breathe that, you know, what's going on in the schools and in the government. And you got to put, I mean, I told them when they were three years old, they got to do this stuff. I mean, and they, when the, by the time they were teenagers, early children, they just kind of roll their eyes. Yeah, mom. Yeah, yeah, I got that one too. Um, and I was quite active politically with the homeschool movement back in the 90s when the kids were, you know, I guess they were probably grade four, five, six, somewhere in there. We would, I would take them to the Capitol for the the day to meet the law the lawmakers, and I had opportunities to speak in front of the legislature. I was very you know, very active at that point. Well, my youngest daughter is now facing in Oregon that the uh, sex ed, LBGTDE, whatever you want to call it, uh, forcing that curriculum into the schools from K to six. Now, I, my grandson is about to, it has entered into kindergarten. So they, she attended her first meeting and watched, you know, the, the um, school board basically rubber stamp 
the whole thing. I mean, they are. It was it was already set up before they even got there, and just watch the anger and the hatred and the vitriol as they tried to explain their their position, etc. And now what they're doing is they they've got a group together and they're starting to look at the next school board election and they're you know looking at candidates to run and she's connected with all these people. I'm going, how? <laughs> because it hit, it it hit hard. And so this is, I think, um, someone, you know, we had, we've had a period where the Hebrew Roots crowd was the over 60 crowd, but now we have multiple families that have come in, and now this stuff is starting to affect everywhere, and we, we can no longer just do nothing. And, of course, the whole impeachment thing, our on-fire prayer, uh, you know, those who are involved in that, we have, I mean, my heartbeat now is I don't think anything is as important as the um, preservation of our Constitution and the presidency. Because if that goes, what the heck else does anything matter? So this is, I am on fire <laughs> with this. I'm sending out regular texts of prayer and fasting and keeping people up to date on what's going on so they kind of understand it because it's very complicated in some ways. But this is this is our D-Day. I mean, I talked about that in, you know, with our Bonhoeffers, my Bonhoeffer series, but the Constitution is about to be completely upended and our government, you, you can't have a vacuum. And so if this thing collapses, something much worse will enter in. And so it, it you know, this, well, is, this is our moment. To your point, the idea that they're teaching our children intercourse in kindergarten, that's the something worse that's being ushered in. The fact that they can kill your child now in your womb the day before it's born, that's what's being ushered in. The fact that we have mechanical rubber women, that's what's being ushered in. The fact that our young girls in high school are losing their their uh, ability to gain scholarships and go on to college because they're being outmatched by young men. Right. Who are, that's what's being ushered in. And it gets worse. There's not one aspect of our cultural society in the United States of America that is not under assault or being insulted against our Constitution. And if they pull this thing off with the presidency, then they've eliminated and disfigured one branch of our government, which means, folks, that the Constitution is collapsing. Mm -hmm. And once that collapses, we will have the most unrighteous, most unholiest people telling us what to do, how to do it, when to do it, and the very people that are going to be persecuted first are us. Yeah. And I would say this. I would add to this before we end the program. Well, that, that, let me just say that was perfectly said. So thank you. Well, what we need to understand, folks, is that God's not going to wave a hand and say, okay, you're now being judged because you didn't do anything. What he's saying is, here is the chain reaction. Consequences. To allow this to happen. The consequences, the consequences are the natural order of the kingdom of God. Yes. So he's not going to sit up there and throw a lightning bolt. He's going to allow the inactivity of his house to suffer the consequences. And I will read this in, the, in Esther uh, as a closing point to the program. For if you remain silent at this time, 
relief and deliverance will arise for the Jews from another place. And you and your father's house will perish. And who knows whether you have not attained royalty for such a time as this. So again, the Bible is fomenting principles. And if we can take the principles that it has suggested here and simply apply them to the United States of America, the most amazing country the world has ever known, yes. literally, then if we allow the, 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 the silence of the house of God within this country to go forth, he's going to find somebody else because his will is going to be done. It just won't be us. Amen. Now, what no, I we go through is a persecution with the technology we have, folks, the type of persecution that we would go through for not being a voice for the kingdom of God is unbelievable. It, it, it's really it's unbelievable. I can't even create some of the stuff that's happening in our society. I can't even think it up in my mind. And yet, Dina, t to your point real quick, and I'll have, let you have the last word. The rejection of wisdom is cataclysmic. And I know you have something to say about that as we close. Well, just as we close up, uh, you know, I'm reminded that this is, this is what happened to Israel. When you break covenant, you are exposing yourself to the consequences of a broken covenant. That's exactly what a curse means. It's not like you take this wand or a voodoo doll and go, you know. It's that there are natural consequences to breaking covenant. And so part of the, I think, the restoration has to be Christian, believers, whatever, making sure their covenant relationship is restored. How do we do that? Daily we come before him, we repent, and we give ourselves to him in that way and allow him to transform us and change us from our stuff. That, rest, that restored covenant will give us, enable us to go out and do what we've been called to do. And I would just encourage people, you know, our On Fire Prayer, if you have any interest in joining with us, onfireprayer.com, you can just go there. Tell me you want to join up. Put, I'll put you, you know, connect you with some, or you can start a, uh, a group in your state. We have, we're, we're about 42 states with, I don't know, 200 now hurricane leaders. But we are focused on many different levels to winning, to restoring the nation, but more importantly, restoring the people in the nation. That's you, what God cares about. You've already seen, I mean, I'm watching the posts and whatnot. I'm pretty busy doing the stuff that I'm doing. But we've already seen prayers answered. Yes. And I, I noticed something else, Dina. Um, there's other prayer groups popping up all mm -hmm. over the world that are doing the same thing. And so if my people will yep. pray. Yeah. So yep. anyway, it's Amen. good to have you back. Good to do yeah. a show together. We'll have to do this again sometime. <laughs> You guys, uh, we appreciate you uh, tuning in to Returning to Eden. Uh, thank you so much. And Dana, have a good and prosperous day. Glad to see you. Glad to talk to you. And well, on that note, my friend. Thank you. We are done. Shalom. You guys have a great day. Bye bye. <laughs>